Hello and welcome back to the Study Room Podcast, where we bring you just one topic of revision every day. Today, jumping right in with psychology AQA and psychopathology is the topic. Um, Okay, let's start off with definitions of abnormality. Statistical infrequency is one definition, which is when abnormality is defined as behaviors that are rare and uncommon when compared to the normal distribution of behavior uh, statistically. Evaluation points on this is that some abnormal behaviors may be desirable. Uh, an example being high IQ, which is uh, infrequent uh, according to the you know, statistically, uh, but it is actually desirable. Um, statistical infrequency is also unable to distinguish between desirable and undesirable um, behaviors or uh, um, personality traits. Um, a next definition is deviation from social norms. It's when abnormality is defined when people do not adhere to the behaviors of rules imposed by society. An example being politeness. An evaluation uh, is that it can possibly, so it, it can positively distinguish between desirability, unlike statistical infrequency. Um, however, cultural norms are set by uh, kind of the people in power, uh, namely the white middle class in the uh, Western Hemisphere. Um, so, by this definition, groups like, uh, in the early days, the suffragettes would be seen as abnormal because they don't adhere to uh, the rules imposed by society. Uh, so, again, minority influence can be seen as abnormal. Deviation from mental health, um, from ideal mental health, is another definition. Uh, Mary Jehoda, in 1958, identified six categories of ideal mental health. Deviation from uh, these is generally considered as abnormal. So, what are the six categories? Well, first, positive view of self. Uh, this could be a uh, high self-esteem. Secondly, personal growth and self-actualization. So, the ability to develop uh, as a person. Third, integration. The ability to cope with uh, stress uh, in, in uh, day-to-day life. Autonomy. So, when you're independent and self-regulating. Accurate perception of reality, uh, when, again, you see the world for what it truly is, or how you perceive it to be. Uh, And six, master of the environment. Uh, So this is uh, to be able to function at work, uh, to adjust to new scenarios, to be in healthy relationships. An evaluation of this is that uh, these criteria may be unrealistic, because, let's face it, it's a bit, you know, impossible to have all six uh, of these at all times. But, uh, however, this does have a positive approach uh, because it's saying, uh, instead of saying, you know, what's wrong, it's saying, well, what is what would ideally be uh, the case? Another definition is failure to function adequately. When abnormality is defined uh, by the inability to cope with the day-to-day actions, uh, this causes distress to self and also, uh, and also, and also others. Um, this is a key point because... Uh, you know, you can sometimes perceive that it's not distressing to yourself, uh, such as schizophrenia, but then it is distressing to the people uh, around you. An evaluation of this is who decides, uh, you know, who decides that you're not uh, functioning adequately. But it does recognize subjective experience um, and it judges them objectively. Um, like if you can't tie your shoelaces or things like that, uh, then you are failing to function adequately. So. Next up, we're going to be talking about mental disorders and their characteristics. 
uh, we're going to be starting off with phobias, talking about behavioral, emotional, and cognitive characteristics of phobias. A behavioral characteristic of phobias is avoidance, uh, to avoid an object slash situation. Uh, freeze or faint, this is an adaptive response, uh, so that the predator thinks that you're dead, uh, like in the kind of old caveman days. Uh, back in my day, uh, yes. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, this can be defined as fight, flight, uh, or freeze, um, and this all in intervenes with uh, daily life. Emotional characteristics is when fear is marked and persistent, uh, or can be excessive and unreasonable. Anxiety and panic is another emotion uh, cued by the presence or anticipation of, of an object or situation. Uh, which is out of proportion than the actual danger. So you're feeling a lot more fear than what uh, normally you should. Cognitive characteristics is the irrational nature of the phobia. Uh, and you have a resistance to rational arguments. Like if you're scared of spiders, for example, um, like I am, it's a resistance to like, you know, you know it's you know, probably more scared of you, are, uh, of you than you are of it. Uh, and it's, you know, it's a small little thing you can't hurt you. Recognition of fear as excessive or unreasonable, um, and this isn't uh, present in children. Okay, next up, OCD. A behavioral characteristic is compulsive behaviors performed to reduce anxiety from obsessions. Repetitive and unconcealed behavior. And behaviors um, are not connected in a realistic way to what they aim to neutralize. Emotional characteristics are anxiety and stress caused by obsessions and compulsions. Aware that the behavior is excessive, which causes shame and possible embarrassment. And common obsession concerns germs, uh, and this can create a feeling of disgust. Uh, cognitive characteristics uh, is when obsessions are reoccurring intrusive thoughts or um, impulses that are perceived as inappropriate or forbidden. Common themes uh, include ideas, doubts, um, impulses, or images. Uh, next up, depression. Behavioral characteristics are either reduced uh, or increased activity level. So it could either be kind of lethargic or uh, kind of fidgety. Reduced energy uh, or tiredness. However, some people are increasingly agitated and restless. Uh, you either sleep, again, sleep more or less uh, or eat more or less. Uh, so it does depend on the individual, but, but generally you see a difference from uh, what it was before the person was uh, depressed. So a fluctuation in all of these. Emotional characteristics are sadness, feeling empty, hopeless, or low self-esteem. Loss of interest and pleasure in usual hobbies and activities associated with feelings of despair. Uh, anger can be directed to others or the self. Uh, this might arise from the feeling of you being hurt and you want to take it out on other people. Um, what are cognitive characteristics of depression? Well, these are negative thoughts, such as a uh, negative view of self, of guilt, uh, of worthlessness, and a negative view of the world, and thoughts may be irrational. Okay, uh, behavioral explanations for phobias. Why are people scared of things? Well, uh, classical conditioning is one uh, explanation where phobias are acquired through association and uh, conditioning a response. Uh, a main study into this is the Little Albert uh, study, in which they showed this, this 
poor little kid. I mean, really, you know, like this Schlemiel really, you know, they, they get him uh, scared of anything white in the end. It's uh, it's horrible. But okay, let's let's just go through it. Little Albert study. So they showed him a white rat, which is the neutral stimulus, uh, and there was no response. Then they banged a loud noise, um, which is the unconditioned stimulus, uh, and led to a fear response. So, like, uh, Albert crying or something. Uh, and that's the unconditioned response. Um, loud noises plus the rat uh, were put together. So the unconditioned stimulus and the neutral stimulus led to an unconditioned response of fear and, uh, you know, displeasure. Uh, and... Lastly, this led to the conditioning of the white rat now becoming the conditioned stimulus leading to the conditioned response of fear. Uh, and then later on, they actually found that he associated this with any white object, a uh, white little fluffy object, like a cotton uh, ball that he was, uh, you know, scared of. Okay, uh, operant conditioning is the likelihood of behavior being repeated uh, increases if the outcome is rewarding. So negative reinforcement uh, often happens with phobias as the avoidance of a phobic stimulus is the reinforcement as it reinforces uh, fear. So again, you see something as unpleasant, you go away from it, and that removes you from the negative state of fear. Uh, okay, so how do we treat phobias? Um, like little Albert, uh, who's now scared of white uh, fluffy things. Well, there's systematic desensitization and flooding. So first, let's look at the systematic desensitization. So what are the stages in this? Well, firstly, the patient is taught to relax their muscles completely, in which a relaxed state is incompatible with anxiety. So this could be breathing exercises or just you know, any relaxation technique. Secondly, the therapist and the patient construct a desensitization hierarchy which is a series of imagined scenes, each one causing a little more anxiety than the previous one. Third, the patient gradually works his or her way through the desensitization hierarchy while engaging in complete re relaxation exercise. Uh, once the patient masters one step in the hierarchy, so while they're re uh, relaxed while imagining it, they move on to the next. And Fifth, uh, the, the last stage is when the patient eventually masters the feared situation that causes them to seek help in the first place. So they make their way up in the entire hierarchy uh, and they uh, feel, yeah, and they're relaxed, getting rid of the phobias. Uh, another technique is flooding. So how is this similar to uh, systematic desensitization? Well, they both, both involve muscle relaxation uh, because it's incompatible with anxiety. However, flooding only takes one long session uh, and systematic desensitization is more gradual. Um, there are some ethical uh, issues or ethical safeguards that need to be put in place when using flooding because if it, uh, if, if the patient actually has managed to overcome the phobia, uh, it can lead to almost worse trauma and as we saw with uh, operant conditioning, kind of a negative reinforcement uh, of that. Um, okay, yeah, so how does this work? Well, the patient is taught to have to relax their muscles completely. Uh, the same as systematic desensitization. And then secondly, the patient masters the feared situation that causes them to seek help. So it's immediately, um, you know, bringing them into the, the most extreme form of their, their uh, fear. For example, if you're scared of germs, they, um, the, the ther so the, the therapist will teach you how to do a relaxed, at a completely relaxed, and then they might stick your hand in a toilet bowl. Um, 
to, to overcome the fear to see how actually um, how there is uh, uh, you know combating the belief that it, it's something bad and, and disgusting. Uh, of course, I guess they you know clean the toilet bowl before uh, hand to make it uh, safe for the patient. So, what are the evaluation of behavioral therapies? Well, one issue with systematic desensitization is that it may not be appropriate to all phobias. Uh, Omanet Al claimed that systematic desensitization is effective with individuals in treating phobias that they acquire through personal experience, but not effective with uh, phobias that have an underlying evolutionary survival component, such as uh, fear of the dark, uh, fear of heights, and fear of dangerous animals. Behavioral therapies for dealing with phobias are generally uh, relatively faster and require less effort on the patient's part compared to other psychotherapies such as CBT. Uh, which require a lot of uh, effort and willingness from the patient to try to change their behavior. This kind of lack of thinking means that behavioral therapies are also useful for people who lack insight into their motivation or emotions, uh, such as children or patients with learning difficulties. Therefore, making systematic desensitization um, a kind of a, a self-administered um, and effective behavioral therapy. So. Next up, let's talk about cognitive explanations for depression. So abnormality is caused by a irrational uh, thinking. And Ellis, uh, the main person who kind of researched into this, identified an ABC model uh, in which there's an activating event. Uh, for example, the sight of a large dog. Uh, B is the belief which may be rational or irrational. Uh, for example, the dog, uh, the dog is harmless, being rational, or the dog will attack me, which is irrational. And C is the consequence. Rational beliefs lead to healthy emotions, uh, like amusement or indifference, whereas irrational beliefs uh, lead to unhealthy emotions, like fear or panic. Um, yes. Identified that uh, the source of irrational beliefs lies in mustab masturbatory thinking. Uh, that's with an M U. Uh, thinking that certain ideas or assumptions must be true in order for an individual to be happy. Uh, Ellis identified three most important irrational beliefs uh, like, I must be approved of or accepted by people I find important, I must do well or very well, or I am worthless. Uh, the world must give me happiness or I will die. Um, other rational assumptions include others must treat me fairly uh, and, I, and give me what I need and people must live up to my expectations or it is terrible. Uh, an individual who holds such assumptions is bound to be, at the very least, disappointed and at worst, depressed. Um, yeah. So, kind of... Uh, staying with the cognitive explanations of depression, um, it believes that the individual is in control. Uh, each of the three previous models hold the view that uh, an individual's behavior is caused by forces outside of their control, uh, which may be deterministic. By contrast, the cognitive model portrays the individual as being, uh, as being the cause of their own behavior because the individual uh, have control over their own thoughts. Abnormality is therefore the product of uh, individual beliefs and irrational thinking. Uh, okay, so Beck also talked about negative triads. Um, so Beck's negative triad being uh, the, the other guy who um, talked about depression. And Beck argued that individuals become depressed as their thinking is biased towards negative interpretations of the world and they lack a perceived sense of control. 
According to Beck, depressed individuals develop a negative schema during childhood, which caused them to adopt negative views of the world. Um, yeah, so this can be, a, for example, expecting to fail, um, and this schema is brought to new situations, like in an exam, uh, they might expect themselves to fail, and later on in life, they uh, re... this happens again. Um, yeah, uh, because the schema is applied to other things. According to Beck, negative schemas maintain what Beck calls the negative triad. So the negative triad means three negative schemas. So there's the negative view of the self, um, the negative view of the world, and the negative view of the future. These all influence each other, and these are all schemas that ma maintain uh, depression in a sense. So evaluating the cognitive theory of depression, uh, Beck's cognitive uh, explanations forms the basis of CBT. The components of the negative triad can easily be identified and challenged in CBT. This means a patient can test whether the elements of the negative triad are true. This is a strength because it's translated into a well and successful therapy. Uh, however, it blames the patient rather than the situational factors. Uh, it suggests that the patient that, that this patient is responsible. And this may lead uh, one to overlook situational factors, for ex example, not considering how life events or family problems may have contributed to the mental disorder. Uh, the disorder is simply uh, in the patient's mind and recovery lies in changing that rather than the environment. Uh, this may also be a partial explanation of depression, uh, although there is no doubt that some cases of depression follow activating events. Uh, this is known as reactive depression and is viewed differently from the kind of depression that arises without an obvious cause. Therefore, Ellis's explanation only applied to some kinds of depression and fails uh, to explain those um, without an obvious cause. Um, final uh, evaluation is not all rational beliefs are irrational. Alloy and Abramson, 1979, suggest that depressive realists tend to see the world uh, for, what, for how it is and then see things for how they are. Uh, normal people trying to can uh, attending to view the world in a um, rose-colored uh, lens of uh, kind of happiness and optimism. The world, uh, sorry, they found that depressed people give more accurate estimates of likelihood of a disaster than normal controls, and they called this uh, sadder but wiser effect. A quotation that I'm going to throw in that uh, is in our textbook is Antonio Gramsci. Um, famous writer in Italy said that he has a um, pessimism of the mind, but an optimism of the will. Uh, in which case, yes, you view the world negatively because you see it realistically. Um, okay, treating depressions with CBT. Well, in the 1950s, uh, Ellis developed the first form of CBT, um, and the aim was to turn irrational thoughts into rational ones. In the therapy, uh, Ellis extended his ABC model to the ABCDF model, where D stands for disputing the irrational thoughts and beliefs, E stands for the effects of disputing, and the effective attitude towards life, and F is the new feelings or emotions that are produced. The key issue to remember that this is not the activating event that causes the unproductive consequences, it's the beliefs uh, that held uh, the, it's the beliefs that led to the self-defeating consequences. So you're disputing these uh, beliefs. The REBT, or the Rational Emotive Behavioral Therapy, is a part of uh, CBT. 
Therefore, it focuses on challenging or disputing the irrational thoughts slash beliefs and replacing them with effective rational ones. Um, there are different examples of disputing. There's logical disputing, which self-defeating beliefs do not follow logically from the information available. Uh, so this could be like, you know, does thinking this way really make sense? Like, you know, you show them uh, information that could lead. Otherwise, empirical uh, disputing is when self-defeating beliefs may not be consistent with reality. So where the proof, uh, so, you know, where's the proof that the belief is actu actually accurate, actually uh, exists? Pragmatic di disputing emphasizes the lack of usefulness of the self-defeating beliefs. Like, you know, it's like, really, is this helping you? Yeah. Um, okay, Affecting, effective disputing changes self-defeating beliefs into rational ones. The client can move from uh, catastrophizing, like no one will ever like me, to more rational interpretations of events, like uh, my friend's probably thinking about something else and didn't even see me. Uh, this, in turn, helps the client to feel better and eventually become more self-accepting. Now, in CBT, uh, patients are often asked to complete homework. Uh, or assignments. Um, no, giving people homework it doesn't apparently make you depressed. Uh, thank you, Beck, uh, or Ellis. Sorry, thank you, Ellis, for that. Uh, but yes, they're given assignments between sessions. Uh, this is vital in testing the irrational beliefs uh, against reality and putting new rational beliefs in practice. An example may be uh, asking a person out on a date, looking for a new job, or asking friends to tell them what they really think about them. Uh, bad idea to do the last one. Uh, okay, behavioral action. CBT often focuses on encouraging depressed clients to become more active and engage in pleasurable activities. This is based on the idea that being active leads to rewards uh, which act as an antidote to depression. Unconditional positive regard, Ellis recognized that an important ingredient of successful therapy was convincing the client of their value as a human being. The client feels worthless they will be less willing to consider changing their beliefs and behaviors. However, if the therapist provides respect and appreciation, regardless of what the client does and says, uh, like, yeah, so unconditional positive regard, this will facilitate the change of beliefs and attitudes. We saw this, um, the, the, this technique also used in um, uh, person-centered therapy in the humanistic approach uh, in terms of a state of congruence and unconditional love. A strength of CBT is that there's uh, research support. In 1957, Ellis claimed uh, that uh, there was a 90% success rate for REBT. Uh, so that's good. There are, yeah, again, practical implications in therapy. However, um, there also may be you know, alternative uh, explanations or alternative treatments to um, treating depression, drug therapies have the strength of requiring less effort on the part of the client. Um, and note that uh, Ellis required 27 sessions of REBT, which, you know, it's a lot of commitment uh, to get better. So it can be used in a conjunction with psychotherapy, such as CBT uh, and uh, drug treatment at the same time to make it a bit easier. Um, and sometimes the clients may be unable to focus on the demands of CBT uh, and drug treatment could enable them to cope better. Uh, another effect is the dodo bird effect, uh, in which all methods of treatment uh, for mental disorder may be equally effective. Uh, Rosen, Rosenzweig named the dodo bird effect after the dodo bird in Lewis Carroll's Alice in Wonderland, 
who described that everyone should win. Uh, research does tend to find a fairly small differences in success rates. Uh, for example, Laborski et al. 1975 and 2002 reviewed over 100 different studies and compared the different therapies uh, and found that only there were only really small differences between them. So a lack of difference was because there's so many common factors in each variant different type of psychotherapy, such as being able to talk to a sympathetic person, which may enhance self-esteem, uh, and having an opportunity to express one's thoughts. Uh, so again, all, all, all therapies might uh, yeah, have the same effect, uh, hence CBT might really not be that better than the other ones. Okay, um, next up, biological explanations of OCD. Using your knowledge and the images, well, I was reading the question at the top of the page, uh, now let me read you my answer so that you guys can understand what's going on. So, the biological approach assumes that behaviors and cognitions are influenced by biological factors such as genetics, genotypes, and phenotypes, neurotransmitters. It, uh, yeah, rejects the cognitive approach. Yeah. Okay, so, um, what are genetic explanations for OCD? The COMPT gene, C-O-M-T, uh, is the COMPT, and it regulates production of dopamine. People with lower activity in their COMPT genes uh, are likely to produce more dopamine, and this is related to OCD. The CERT gene, the S-E-R-T, affects transported serotonin, creating lower levels, and these lower levels are implicated, are implicated in OCD. Uh, there's actually a study that found that um, this mutated gene in two unrelated families, where six of the seven members had OCD. Uh, there's also uh, dysynthesis stress, uh, where these above genes only create a weakness for OCD, and other conditions actually affect what disorder develops, uh, because they've found this gene, these genes also be in patients that have uh, things like chronic depression. What are neural explanations for OCD? Abnormal levels of neurotransmitters may, may be one uh, explanation where dopamine levels uh, are thought to be abnormally high and people with OC, uh, in people with OCD. Ba uh, and this is based off of uh, animal studies where they injected uh, dopamine into animals and they started behavior, uh, behaving like people who had OCD. Uh, lower levels of serotonin may cause OCD. Uh, drugs that increase serotonin have been shown to produce uh, OCD symptoms. Um, another explanation is abnormal brain circuits. Uh, several areas in the frontal lobes uh, are thought to be abnormal in people with OCD. Uh, the orbitofrontal cortex, or OFC, sends signals to the thalamus about things that are worrying, such a potential germ hazard. Um, so yeah, so this is supported by PET scans of patients with OCD. Um, taken while their symptoms are active. Uh, when a person with a germ obsession holds a dirty cloth, for example, such scans showed heightened activity in the uh, orbitofrontal cortex, uh, and serotonin and dopamine are linked to these regions of the frontal lobes. Um, so it does play a role in the operation of the orbitofrontal, frontal, yes, English, orbit, OFC, yes, uh, okay. So, evaluating the uh, biological approach to um, psychopathology. Um, yeah, so there's um, lots of stuff. It has real-world application. Uh, the mapping of human genome has led um, to specific genes which can be linked to particular mental and physical disorders. For example, 
where one or the other parents-to-be uh, has a comps gene, the mother's fertilized eggs could be screened, thus giving the parents the choice of whether to abort those eggs with the gene. Okay, uh, alternative gene therapy may produce a means of turning certain genes off so the disorder is not expressed. Uh, so yeah, that's one explanation. Uh, it also led to drug treatments uh, as the main other uh, explanation, such as SSRIs, uh, benzodiazepines, tricyclics, uh, all the things that we are going to be talking about now. Okay. So biological approach to treating OCD. Yes, uh, this is all drug therapies. So drug therapies are uh, sometimes known as chemotherapy. These treatments are based on the assumption that there's a chemical imbalance, uh, neurotransmitters, which cause abnormality. These, can, these drugs can increase or decrease levels of neurotransmitters. Um, remember that low levels of serotonin are associated with OCD, so drugs aim to increase serotonin in the brain. Uh, the most common drug therapy for OCD is the selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors or SSRIs. Uh, if they don't use uh, them, then tricyclics can be used. So antidepressants or SSRIs uh, often give the patients, uh, often are given to the patients that are diagnosed with OCD. These reduce anxiety uh, associated with OCD because they increase serotonin using selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. These increase the, the availability of serotonin. Uh, so the increase of SSRIs remains present in the synapse, stimulating the receptors as it inhibits the reabsorption of serotonin by the presynaptic membrane. Uh, so we saw this with synaptic transmission in biopsychology. These basically yeah, block the reabsorption of um, serotonin so that it stays in that uh, synaptic gap, uh, still stimulating the receptors on the uh, postsynaptic nerve ending. Another antidepressant are tricyclics. Uh, tend to be used more for OCD than depression. These stop the transport mechanism that reabsorbs serotonin and noradrenaline. Um, more of those neurotransmitters are present in the synapse, uh, eases transmission to the next impulse. Uh, targets multiple neuro neurotransmitters, so it's more advantageous, advantageous but has more side effects. Uh, this is used when SSRIs aren't effective. Uh, antidepressant drugs uh, are sometimes used on OCD, benzodiazepines being one, which reduce anxiety. This slows down the central nervous system uh, and uh, enhances the activity of the GABA. Uh, GABA, when the GABA is released, uh, it has a quiet, quieting, qu quietening uh, effect on the neurons in the brain, and it reacts with the GABA receptors on the outside of the receiving neurons. When this happens, it opens uh, the channel and increases the flow of chloride ions into the neuron, uh, slowing down activity, making the person more relaxed. Uh, what are some evaluations of these drug therapies? Well, time, maybe one. There's a um, an acronym to be used that's a good way of remembering this, TIRS. Uh, time, effectiveness, appropriateness, relapse, and side effects. So one evaluation of drug therapies take less time as patients do not need to attend multiple sessions of CBT. They require less effort from the patient and could be uh, more readily used. Effectiveness. Considerable evidence of studies, uh, studies backing SSRIs found that effectiveness increases when paired with psychological therapies such as CBT. 
appropriateness. Some cases, OCD uh, follows traumas. So the uh, onset of OCD may be a response of to a trauma as opposed to biological factors. So it might not be appropriate to use drugs in this situation. Relapse, maybe the treatment only treats the symptoms and not the cause of OCD. So when they stop taking the drugs, the symptoms might come back. Side effects, common side effects of SSRIs includes nausea, headaches, and insomnia. This could mean that patients may not prefer to take the drugs. Uh, and ladies and gentlemen, I believe that that uh, is it for psychopathology. Uh, I'm just skipping to the end of the textbook to see if that is it. Uh, yes, we have covered everything. Uh, okay, so that is psychopathology. Uh, good luck on your exam. We will be covering biopsychology next. Uh, thank you.